0: All right, hello everybody. It is me, Daniel D, with a Ghost in the Machine, the podcast, and uh, there's a reading of an article I wrote about a meeting that I had with my household pets about climate change. I feel like it was a very productive meeting, um, and I would encourage you to have a meeting with your household pets, if you have any, you know, about the important issue of climate change. And no, not climate change, the climate crisis, the climate emergency. It's an existential crisis and we got to get everybody on board, all hands on deck or all paws on deck, you know, cause we got to get everybody involved, including the least among us, you know, our household pets or furry friends or scaly friends. If you have reptiles or feathered friends, if you have birds, right? So anyway, this morning I had an important conversation about climate change with my household pets, two dogs, three cats, a parakeet, a lizard, a couple of fish, and a guinea pig. Well, actually, forget the guinea pig. He uh, is no longer with us because uh, one of the cats ate it right before the meeting started. You know, cats do that kind of thing. But anyway, as it turns out, that was actually to fight climate change, and I'll get to that in a minute. Um, I feel like I had a productive discussion with all the animals. Um, the cats were especially helpful. So whenever the dogs got out of line... Started interrupting with their nonsense because you know dogs they got like A D D or something they have a hard time staying focused right but the cats were able to restore order and kind of keep things moving you know well Robert's rules of order or whatever right like you know the dogs get out of line the cats would hiss and scratch and you know the dogs would kind of get that get the message you got to shut up and listen because it's important it's about saving the climate so anyway I talked to the animals about how we would all need to make sacrifices and by all of us, I mean, of course, the pets, not me, because I'm modeling my household after society at large, right, and I'm kind of the, you know, the elite, right, I'm like the one who makes the rules, and has the money, and all that, and so, you know, I'll sacrifice too, vicariously, because I'm going to like give lots of moral and emotional support to my pets as they sacrifice to protect the environment, um, you know, cause we got to save the planet. And, uh, we also got to save the Obama's beachfront property, which I'll get to that in a minute. Um, so anyway, I started out by, you know, telling the pets, uh, Hey, you know, you, you guys are going to have to all switch to a plant-based diet. And, uh, the dogs didn't like that. You know, one of the dogs started barking and anyway, so the cats like had to hiss and scratch and get the dogs to shut up. Um, but anyway, then the parakeet was like hey i'm already on a plant-based diet so the cat was uh you know impressed with that and said hey why don't you come out of your cage and tell us more about it so anyway i committed the parakeet for his commitment to fighting climate change um one of the cats i got three cats so there's coco the cat who's the oldest she's like the grandma cat and then there's banner and his younger brother cap so anyway banner one of the cats uh he said, you know, what's in it for me? What do I get out of switching to a plant-based diet? And I said, well, you know, the plants these days are so meat-like. You know, it's like this genetic engineering. They've managed to create plants that look and taste like meat, apparently. Because you can have like a burger that's made out of plants, but it like, it tastes just like meat, apparently, you know, from what I hear. And uh, Banner was like, that's impossible. And I said, yeah, you're right. It is impossible. The impossible burger, right? But i Anyway. So I said, you know, hey, like this meat, this impossible meat is, is made from plants, but it's so animal like that nobody can tell the difference. In fact, if I put an impossible burger on the grill, it'll actually bleed, you know? So the cats were kind of impressed with that. And I said, you know, plants can bleed, you know, does that mean the guinea pig that we killed earlier was a plant? Cause it bled. I said, no, the guinea pig was an animal. You killed her. But uh, Coco, the cat, then explained to me why she killed the guinea pig. Whose name was Spot? Uh, she's gone to be with the Lord now, but it's for a good cause for climate change, right? Because Coco the Cat was like, Look, I heard that animals shitting and flatulating is a cause of global warming, right? Like greenhouse gases are emitted when animals belch and fart and shit, right? Like cows. That's one of the things we've heard. It's like, what we got to get rid of cattle. Because of climate change, right? Because all these greenhouse gases that the cows are emitting. I said, yeah, Coco, you're right. That's that's true. You know, animals, you know, farting and burping and pooping. That's a big source of greenhouse gas emissions. And so Coco said, yeah, well, the guinea pig was a greenhouse gas emitting, you know, polluter, right? I mean, because guinea pigs, I don't know if you've had any one. I wouldn't recommend it. I got one. Um that was the first pet that we got. Uh, the kids wanted a, a pet. So we started off with a guinea pig and it turns out they're kind of like, uh, babies. You know, if you, if you ever had a baby, babies just for the first like few weeks, they just eat and shit. And that's pretty much it. Eat shit and sleep. And that's like all guinea pigs do. They just squeal. Well, they squeal, but and so babies don't squeal, but otherwise guinea pigs are just like babies. Cause they just eat and shit and sleep and that's it. So anyway, Coco was like, Hey, um, Then this guinea pig was a polluter. This guinea pig was a, you know, causing climate change. So that's why we killed her. And I said, you know, now that you put it like that, I think you did a good thing, Coco, in killing the guinea pig. You know, I didn't realize when I brought this guinea pig into our home that she was such a polluter, that she was releasing so many greenhouse gases. So thank you, Coco, for killing that guinea pig because now there's less greenhouse gases being emitted. And Coco was like, yeah, you know, that's, that's right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to fight this climate change, you know. Because uh, that guinea pig, all she did all day was shit and fart. And she probably released her weight in greenhouse gases every five minutes. So now that I've finally destroyed her, she'll stop polluting our atmosphere. The earth will probably be a degree or two cooler tomorrow as a result. You can thank me by getting me another guinea pig for me to hunt and kill. If I take the life of just one guinea pig per day, we'll have another ice age within a year, probably. So that'll stop climate change once and for all. And I was like, Coco, good job thinking outside the box. And uh, anyway, another one of the cats uh, was inspired by this exchange between me and Coco. And so Cap, the youngest of the cats, says, what happens if the climate changes? Which is a good question, right? Because animals have questions. You know, they're curious, right? So we've got to talk to them about these things. So anyway, I said to Cap, uh, the cat, hey, I'm glad you asked. As it turns out, There are some people who are extremely virtuous, and they've been virtuously signaling about the changing climate and the danger of rising ocean levels for years. No, decades. And then the other cat, Banner, asked, has the ocean risen during that time? I said, well, you know, no, it hasn't. But that's probably only because of all the virtue that these virtuous people have been signaling into the atmosphere. Because I think when you signal virtue into the atmosphere, it, like, uh, neutralizes carbon, or maybe it restores the ozone layer. It does something. Anyway, all this virtue signaling about the environment is very important because it like it's done a lot. Like if it hadn't been for all this virtue signaling, probably the oceans would like you know be like Noah's Ark days. Like you know, would have you know maybe like two of each kind of animal that might survive. You know, if somebody had the foresight to build an ark, either that or you got a virtue signal about the environment, right? That's those are the two choices that we have. So thankfully, people like the Obamas and um, people like. Um, The Clintons, you know, people, people like that, they've been doing a great job virtue signaling and, you know, it's, it's helped us out. It saved the planet. It's averted the climate crisis, but we all got to do more. Okay. So that's the thing. Um, I I, I explained to the cats and the dogs, even though the dogs are not as smart as a cat. So I don't know that they really understood this, but I was trying to explain that, you know, all this virtue signaling has averted the climate apocalypse. So we got to increase the amount of virtue that we're signaling. And Coco was asking about, you know, like these virtuous people. Like, do we know any of them? And I said, well, you know, we don't know any personally, but we've seen them on TV. Like Barack Hussein Obama, our former premier of the Union of Soviet Socialist American States, right? So it's like he's been fighting climate change. Um, he and Michelle, in fact, have uh, generously purchased millions do- of dollars worth of beachfront property. In Martha's Vineyard, which we heard about earlier this week, right? Because they were the place that was so welcoming and hospitable to the uh, illegal immigrants. Who, um, you know, diversity is our strength, right? We got to increase our diversity, but just not, you know, in the rich people's neighborhood, right? We got to leave those like less diverse because they don't want to be as strong there. They want, they want us commoners to have more strength, which is very nice of them. They want us to be the ones who get strengthened by all the diversity, while they keep their, you know they're they're willing to be weak so that we could be strong right kind of like the apostle paul with uh the christians right anyway so the obamas had this beachfront property in martha's vineyard they had a big tent actually earlier they put up for uh good old barry's birthday party uh, for whatever reason they weren't able to use that tent to house any of these illegal migrants that were sent up there and but the the people of martha's vineyard were very nice they They, you know, allowed the uh, illegal immigrants to stay there for, you know, like 24 or 48 hours, something like that. And then they shipped them off to a military camp. Right, they call in the military not to protect the border, not to like round up illegal aliens in you know border towns where the common people live, but to keep them off of Martha's Vineyard, right? Which is very virtuous because again, they they are willing to be weak that we can be strong. Diversity is our strength, so they don't want to keep any diversity or strength for themselves. They want to share that strength, building diversity with the rest of the country. So anyway, um, back to what I was saying. So, Barry Obama and. Michelle generously purchased millions of dollars worth of beachfront property in Martha's Vineyard and in Hawaii, right? Because they know that the climate is changing. The ocean is probably going to rise. So they put themselves on the front line. They bravely put their own million dollar estates and vacation homes between the rising oceans and the rest of humanity, which is very nice of them. A lot of their billionaire friends do the same thing, Um, you know, and they... They also, uh, you know, use their private jets to virtuously fly around the world to have conferences on, you know, energy conservation and and the environment and reducing carbon emissions and all that. It's very important that they do these things, Um, you know, because like I said, the virtue that they signal into the atmosphere, I think it neutralizes the carbon and restores the ozone layer anyway. If it wasn't for all the virtue signaling that Obama's and their billionaire buddies have been doing, would be underwater right now, okay? So anyway, I was explaining that to the cats. And, um, you know, Banner the Cat said, you know, this is very nice of these rich people to do that, right? Because uh, I don't know how to swim. I don't like water. So I'm glad that they're, you know, doing all this virtue signaling. Um, and by the way, says Banner the Cat, Coco had a great idea about guinea pigs. I like that idea. I think I can join in this fight against climate change by killing guinea pigs. And, uh, you know, so he says, like, if we're going to save the Obama's beachfront property, we've got to start killing guinea pigs very quickly. I'd say, uh, and this is Banner the Cat speaking, uh, he was saying that if, if he offered generously that if I brought home three guinea pigs a day, that between the three cats, each of them could kill and eat one guinea pig apiece, and um, that would help reduce greenhouse gas emissions, that would help save the environment, and all the cats were agreed on that point, they're like, yeah, we will do our part, we will pitch in, we will each of us kill a guinea pig every day, just bring these guinea pigs home and we'll kill and eat them. And, um, then one of the dogs, cause you know, dogs, I mean, they're always interrupting. So Toby, one of the dogs that we got, he started barking. He's like, we're good to guinea pigs. What's this shit about a plant-based diet? And then the cats had to shut him up. Shut up mouth breather. You know, that's what they, they call the dogs mouth breathers. Um, so anyway, um, and I explained, you know, that that you know in addition to protecting the Obama's beachfront property, they're going to be protecting private islands that all the, uh, all the, the many environmentalist elites use um, like those that were on uh, Jeffrey Epstein's client list, you know uh, Epstein and Jelaine Maxwell, you know they, they had that uh, private island that they used to like I guess recruit teenage girls to be part of the environmentalist cause. I think that's what they were doing. Um, You know, they had uh, the private jet called the Lolita Express that Bill Gates and Bill Clinton would be on, you know, along with the underage girls that they're, you know, uh, grooming to, you know, we don't want to use that term, I'm sorry, not grooming, Um, indoctrinating, training, whatever, into fighting climate change by, you know, sucking dick and uh, advocating for an end to energy, basically like an end to greenhouse gases and all that sort of stuff. Right. It's a very important thing. Like Greta Thunberg, I think she was one of the girls was probably on Epstein's Island. Right. They, they probably Bill Gates and Bill Clinton probably talked to her about, you know, the importance of using her mouth to suck their dicks. And then also, uh, you know, give speeches against, you know, climate change. Right. And, and greenhouse gases and all that, right? So that's probably where she got the phrase, how dare you, is probably something that Bill used to say to, you know, I don't know. Anyway, that was stupid, sorry. Um, yeah, so, anyway, these private islands, though, they're very important in the fight against climate change because that's where they get, because teenage girls are like one of the, the, the demographics that's most thoroughly committed to climate change. And I think that's what Bill Clinton, Bill Gates, Jeffrey Epstein jelaine maxwell were doing bringing these teenage girls to that island is getting them educated on you know climate change and they probably got a few blowjobs and all that while they were doing this education about climate change but that's what it was really about okay so you know then at this point when i'm talking about that uh my beagle who's named maxine Maxine the Beagle, she said, these people sound like hypocrites. If they think the sea levels are going to rise, why are they spending so much money buying property next to the ocean? And so the cats had to shut the beagle up. Shut up, climate change denier, said Banner the Cat. Don't listen to that mouth-breathing mongoloid mutt, said Coco the Cat. Back to the topic at hand, says Coco. We've agreed that everyone will switch to a plant-based diet, except for us cats, since we will be fighting climate change by killing and eating guinea pigs. And I said, that sounds about right. And uh, Maxine the Beagle asked if the dogs can eat guinea pigs, too. And Coco told her to shut her carb- carbon-emitting mouth. That's what um, you know the dogs could do, says Coco the Cat. So anyway, yeah, uh, cats and dogs kind of don't get along too well. But the cats, fortunately, are very much on board with our plans to fight climate change. They've agreed to start killing guinea pigs more regularly. And I think that will, you know, because guinea pigs are polluters, right? I mean, cows are polluters, but so are guinea pigs. Cause they do the same shit. They eat grass and they shit and fart and belch and what squeal, right? All that greenhouse gases that they're emitting, the cats are going to fight that by killing the guinea pigs so I think, um, we, we made progress. Now the dogs, I don't know. I'm going to do the impossible meat with them or, you know, uh, impossible meat's kind of expensive. So maybe I'll just give them like carrots and grass and stuff and that, that'd yeah, probably be all right. You know, right. Cause it, I mean, you can be strong and be vegan, right? I mean, I'm not going to go vegan. Of course, not myself. I'm going to eat meat, but you know, uh, I'm going to give, I'm going to be sacrificing vicariously through the animals. They will be switching to a plant-based diet, except like I said, the cats, because they'll be fighting climate change by killing the guinea pigs. Um, anyway, I decided, this is kind of a weird episode, I know, but I decided to record it and share this with you because I want you to know that you can have these uh, conversations with your household pets too. It's important. It's important to get all hands or paws on deck in this fight against climate change, because it's an existential crisis, you know, and our brave elites, the billionaire class, right, and the, the political class, like the Obamas and the Clintons and their billionaire friends, you know, they they have been willing to get on the front lines and buy up the beachfront property, the million dollar, you know, have these million dollar mansions on the beaches to, to put themselves and their vacation homes and their mansions between us and the rising tide, the rising ocean, the rising sea levels, right? They're willing to take it on the chin and lose millions of dollars worth of beachfront property, right? And the country clubs that they're members of and all that. their private islands. They're willing to sacrifice that for the greater good of protecting humanity from the changing climate. So anyway, you can do your part. And I also want to say if there's any... Friends of the Obamas out there who would like to buy me some beachfront property or fly me around in a private jet so that I can signal my virtue more virtuously and help negate some of this, you know, climate changing carbon and whatever else, restore the ozone. Whatever else you do when you signal virtuously from your beachfront property, I'll join the fight too. So anybody out there who's a billionaire and friends with the Obamas, you know, hey, swing a beachfront uh, estate my way. I will help in the fight against climate change. Anyway, um, you can read this post. It's on my blog on itghostthemachine.substack.com. It's called Cats Against Climate Change. And i just like to give a shout out to my cats, Coco, Banner, and Cap. The three of them have been very inspiring to me and to uh, my children and to the other pets that we have in our household because of their commitment to fighting climate change by any means necessary, even if it means killing guinea pigs. You know, so they've been, they're willing to do it. I'm very impressed with that and very proud of them. Um, You know, cats are awesome, especially my cats. So anyway, if you have cats, you know, feed them some guinea pigs. It'll it'll help change the climate, or, or I'm sorry, help stop the climate from changing, unless we change it in a positive direction by lowering the temperature. Right, that's actually a change that would be for the better if we start if we you know if we kill enough guinea pigs, bring it bring on the ice age, like Coco the cat was saying. She wants to do. You know, if, if I mean, each of these guinea pigs releases so much greenhouse gas that if we kill them all, or if the cats kill them all, um, it will probably be an ice age. And the climate will stop changing. Everybody will be dead. And we will save the world from, you know, a climate apocalypse. All right, anyway, this is me, Daniel D. And it's a weird episode, but thank you for listening. It is... uh uh sunday september 18th 2022 is episode nine of a ghost in the machine the podcast and uh if you read i'm going to put a link to the show notes to the article that i referenced and um at the bottom i included a link to a a video embedded from youtube of richard jenny the late great comedian um sharing his thoughts about leading heart trillionaire limousine liberals and their fight against climate change um very prophetic. Back in 2005, I think it was when that special was released, but it's very relevant today, anyway. So you can watch that embedded um, at the bottom of that article if you want. Um, anyway, till next time, fight the climate. You know, teach your pets about the importance of climate change. Get your cats, especially they're very receptive and very willing to fight climate change. You know, so best of luck to you, comrades. Till next time, peace out, y'all.